You can break it down simply. Really, your whole personality is made up of your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. And when you can take control and change those, you can really change your personality, which is only your personal reality. So you can change your whole life. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. I'm really excited to uh, introduce my next guest, Tish Conlin. Tish is the president of Global Consulting Group, GCG, which is globalconsultinggroup.ca. She's based in Canada. Tish has delivered strategic talent solutions to build great teams for her clients for 25 years. She's an international speaker, author, trainer. She delivers educational and engaging programs to boost performance and build tomorrow's leaders. She's also a certified emotional intelligence trainer. She's a black belt martial artist. She's a registered holistic nutritionist and speaks French, German, and some Spanish. She's written a book, The ABCs of Food, Boost Your Energy, Confidence, and Success, which is available on Amazon. She's currently working on her second book on emotional resilience, and she's a mother of two boys. Wow, I'm just tired thinking about all that. Tish, welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. I am so pumped to be here today. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. You and I collaborated uh, once before, and can you believe that was five years ago? It's unbelievable, isn't it? It just click, you know, snap your fingers and time has flown by. And what a different Absolutely. time we're in now. Yeah, no kidding. And, and we're going to get to that. I'd love to hear your take on the situation. The webinar that you presented for my group before was called Big Biller Secrets to Energize Your Desk and attract better clients. And that was a really popular one, actually. So I appreciate you doing that. By the way, how did you get the, the nickname Tish? Oh, geez. Patricia. That is uh, going back quite a few years now. It's uh, The name Patricia is so formal. I was always kind of scrappy and down to earth uh, as a kid and very, very short. And the name just seemed so formal for this kind of, you know, rough and tumble, you know, three foot person. Um, <laughs> and so my mom just started calling me Tish. And then all the rhymes that go with Tish in public school and fish and wish and everything else. But, you know, it sort of stuck. And when I started my business, I went back to the formal Patricia. But now that I'm, you know, a certain age, I've gotten rid of all that formality and I'm mostly just Tish. <laughs> so I love it. That sounds cool. By the way, you are only the second Canadian recruiter that I've had on the show. Oh, wow. The first was David Perry. Do you know David? No, I don't. I should I should get to the know him. rogue recruiter. I will introduce your guys. Uh, he's awesome. And I think... Wow, the energy between the two of you would, uh, you know, start a fire. It's um, <laughs> that would be something else. It'd be fun to have an all Canadian oh, show sometime oh, and get yeah, both of you. Yeah, it's that Canadian together. air <laughs> and all exactly. that water. <laughs> exactly. So, Tish, um, tell me. By the way, I've got your your book. You thank you so much for sending that to me last time. ABCs of food. I have a confession to make. When you first sent it to me, I didn't read it oh. because. I was not focused on my health and energy and nutrition at that time as I should be. Mm -hmm. And then recently, I'd say over the last year, I've really been focusing on eating properly, exercising and so on. And so I've gone back to your book and it's just a wealth of fantastic information. Oh. So, so thank you. Oh, that's that. great. That makes me happy. Wonderful. Yeah. I've been giving it away a lot okay. during COVID just to help out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So before we get to like COVID and, and, and all that, can you just tell the story of how and why you started your recruiting firm? Yeah, no, I'd love to. And, you know, I, I always was an entrepreneur as a kid, you know, little businesses here and there and had a passion for food and how it affected you. I guess I've always been fascinated by energy and, uh, you know, how it impacts our performance. You know, energy really is, is everything. You know, it's uh, our capacity to work. That's the definition. And so in high school, I actually had a scholarship to be a food scientist. But my other passion is people and culture and language. So I ended up switching from uh, science to art and had an arts degree, graduated in a recession, no jobs. So I used my sales ability. I got hired at a recruitment firm. And within a year, they actually went bankrupt. So I started as a researcher, was the top researcher, filling all the jobs naturally, could just co-call anybody. And then I asked to be a consultant. And uh, when I was working as a consultant, I was, when I'm aging myself, but I was writing down all my leads on recipe cards. So I, it just, from one day to the next, closed up shop. I took all my recipe cards, came home. Um, my brother-in-law kindly developed a logo. I incorporated the next day. There was Global Consulting Group. In the first year, my mother answered the phone, Global Consulting Group. And then and I'd be like, you know, and she'd pass me the phone and I'd take the call. Hello, Patricia Conlon, you know, or Patricia Chambers at the time. Um, and then I just slowly grew. I kept my overheads low. And then I had an opportunity to move into a really big um, office because they just couldn't fill it and grew my, my team from there, but just kind of fell into the business and, you know, started it when I was only basically a year out of university and never looked back. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that actually. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I love how you were so young and like, it was a startup out of, you know, working out of home and you called it global consulting group. It sounds really big, right? Yes. Well, I learned a lesson and it's all on how you present yourself. I started calling people and saying, um, you know, hi, my company went bankrupt. I just started this little business and we'd love your business. Oh, that's such a good story. Never got the business. So I switched my marketing. Hi, my, and I didn't have to say, and I always did good work. I didn't say it was my company. I said, I'm a consultant with this company. Love your business. They said, sure. Can you come in tomorrow? I got more business than I could handle by being a junior in my own company than being the senior. And I kind of grew into a bigger company and hired staff over the years, but, um, and kept, kept it based on quality, you know, just delivered every time. Fantastic. I, I love that. And so that was 25 years ago now? Yes. Uh, yes, it Amazing. was. And then I, you know, I grew the business steadily. I had seven-figure uh, income for multiple years. Very fortunate. I uh, had a really great team. Even, you know, some of the little uh, blips along the way, we, we managed to, to do pretty well throughout. So I had a really good run for many years and very grateful. Great team. And even in the U.S., so a couple of niches in technology and ERP kept us really busy for a long time. Okay, interesting. So you said that you you built a, a, a team. How, how many people did you have in the team, Tish? So, I mean, it was up and down, but, you know, we'd have between 10 and 20 throughout right. some of our high income years. And myself, uh, you know, I was a strong biller for many years, worked very actively in the business mm -hmm. and uh, brought in a lot of the bigger clients. 
you know, so that was, that was my big, my primary role, but now the model is switched. So you used to have full desk and now, you know, I think a lot of companies have the researcher, the recruiter and the account manager, and that's the model we shifted to as well. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So what does uh, global consulting group look like today? So today, I mean, very different. I mean, um, I was very fortunate when I was quite young, I had an opportunity to buy a building. So we had that as our business. Um, And, you know, over the years and with the demands of things and some of the personal stresses that I'll talk about, which really inspired me to become a coach and and the importance of being resilient. Um, You know, I started coming in last and, you know, we didn't need to be there all the time. And then last year I had an opportunity, uh, someone approached me to buy my building. So I very luckily sold my building in December just before COVID hit. So I've, I actually transitioned to a fully remote team before COVID hit, which was, I mean, very fortunate. That was Excellent timing. Yes. I've always had a good sense of timing. I don't know, just cross my fingers in life. But that that's was very helpful because we we're all set up, ready to go, um, you know, and was able to to really pivot quickly when it hit. Okay, that makes sense. That's cool. Um, so now it's a, it's a remote team and, and what sort of size are you these days? So, so I shifted over the years. I had a lot of great years. Um, and then my personal passion for health and energy and performance, um, really came up when I had my own kind of hit the wall moment with too much stress and too much on my plate. And I realized for me, what's fulfilling in life is, is really helping people to live their healthiest, happiest life. And I wanted to put that stamp in my business. So I diversified our services. So now we have multiple revenue lines. And I think this is helpful for other recruitment firms as well that are suffering. Recruitment is down, down for us as well. Um, but we moved into a model of talent services. That's our expertise. So recruitment is one of those as well as RPO, and then we do coaching and online training and outplacement and transition. So it's really the full the full scope of services. So when you hire someone, helping them to stay engaged and retain them, and then when you need to let them go for whatever reason or they're retiring. So I love that. And I'm able to put our wellness stamp on everything. So that's really what we look like today. In the last week, we closed a deal for outplacement with one client. We um, started a search uh, with another client. Just yesterday, we signed a new search. We closed a deal with another client, in, um, and then we bid on an RPO. So we're shortlisted. So that's quite a bit of activity in one week. And that's how we've changed. You know, no, not really, not too much contingency recruiting anymore. Uh, that sounds like a brilliant plan. And having multiple income streams or revenue streams, um, which, and and being diversified like that, that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to talk about those different services in a minute, but first you hinted that you had a hit the wall moment. Could you speak a little on that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I'm a strong woman, you know, I was um, pursued my black belt and that sort of sense of stoicism I always talk about. I think I have that in me. And so just pile it on. It was always my philosophy. I can take it. I can take it. But I think as, you know, in, uh, you know, 2008, that great recession, we called it in Canada. I think it's called that globally. When that hit my, um, my life, just there was so much 
hit me at the same time. Um, you know, I had my husband had a dealership uh, through GM that had gone bankrupt, so was forced to sell that. Uh, there was financial uh, chaos with both his business and mine, and he actually was quite depressed and, and anxiety, and it hit his head really hard with a seizure and had quite a bit of cognitive damage, uh, behavioral issues, mood issues. So there was all that. And my mother was sick. So I was, I was trying to look after my husband. My mother and I had two young children at the time and trying to rebuild the business. So it was overwhelming. And it wasn't a one-year thing because that, that was year after year. And it was starting to weigh me down. Even a person like me who's always eaten well and was fit. I felt I was burning out really badly and I wasn't going to make it if I didn't do something different, even as a very fit person. And I realized that our energy is impacted not just by what we eat and, and our exercise, but our thoughts and our emotions. And so I, I took a deep dive into figuring out how I could be the healthiest me I could be because I didn't like the way things were going. Um, and I wanted to be able to look after all my loved ones. So that's when I went back to school and I retrained as a uh, nutritionist and I was just so passionate about health and healing and how I could be the healthiest person myself. I wrote my book then and it sounds kind of contradictory that I added all that extra work of studying and writing, but when you're doing something you love, you're energized. Um, you know, and I really got involved in the emotional side because I was around so much negativity, not only the moods of my spouse, who was really uh, uh, tense and the stress of the business because it was a really negative time for everyone. So I realized um, how important our emotions are. And I really spent the last 10 years taking a deep dive into helping people uh, when they can transform some of those blockages, when they can get in tune with their emotions and accept them and listen to the messages of your emotions, you can get out of those negative states much more quickly. And all of my reading is along that, like some of my, my books, I mean, there's so many, I read prolifically, but um, a lot of the books I read were kind of in that personal transformation line. And I think a lot of recruiters I worked with as well, there was these emotional blocks that we could work through. And when you could work through them, you could really increase your energy and your performance. So uh, I did that at a deep level and a you know, real, like a student studying for many years. And when I came out of that, I transformed my own business and life. Absolutely. 100%. And never look back. And I'm, you know, I'm living my best life now and able to help people during COVID more than ever right now. Wow. That's an amazing journey that you've been on. And um, parts of that I could definitely relate to. Um, so I understand the transformation and, you know, the situation you were in with the personal challenges and the business challenges. And then the, the point you're at now where you've worked through all that, you've worked on the emotional resilience, you've worked on the energy, the health and everything. Uh, but the messy bit in the middle, like, could you break that down a little bit as to like step by step and for people, because if someone, let's say, is listening right now and they're going through tough times like you were in the last recession, which a lot of people are right now, Tish, as you know, right? I know. It's like, yes. We're, we're all living with this heightened amount of stress. Even if you're healthy, you're scared, like for your family, especially older, you know, uh, parents or, or people who are more vulnerable. 
Um, and, you know, it, so there's a bit of sort of paranoia, like, am I going to get sick or is someone I know going to suffer from this? And then there's the business impact, which has been massive. So like, what would be the steps that someone, yeah, if they're just in that overwhelm right now yes. and they're like, their brain is, is mush, right? What's step one to get to the point where you're effective again? That's a great question. And I've thought about this because I want to give your listeners some practical tips. And But one thing I want to connect with them and let them know they're not alone. Um, I remember a story where I, I really became passionate about speaking and training. And it's a story I can tell you later how this whole uh, experience I went through and being able to share it with not being nervous or embarrassed or ashamed to share it has helped so many people because I, I used to keep it really tight in me. I'm very successful. I can handle anything that sort of stoic way. And when I started opening up, I realized that sharing your story can, can make such a positive difference. I mean, I remember being at a, a conference, a recruiting conference in California, and I was speaking and I heard someone say, oh, well, it's fine for her to say, you know, she's just so successful. It's easy for her. I heard that, you know, saying, here's how you can do something. And I realized I needed to share the struggle story and how bad it was with them so that they were inspired because that's really the goal. And, you know, part of going through difficult times, a lot of it is in our own head. You know, sometimes our thoughts can deceive us. And really, when I read books like Joe Dispenza, you know, how you can change, you know, becoming supernatural and breaking the habit of being yourself when you're in really negative ruts and you find that you're thinking negatively a lot or you have a lot of negative emotions, you can break it down simply. Really, your whole personality is made up of your thoughts, your feelings and your actions. And when you can take control and change those you can really change your, in your personality, which is only your personal reality. So you can change your whole life. And you can practice that by being number one with emotions. I'll just give you the tips there. So being aware of these negative emotions that are overwhelming you, sometimes they're so strong, they're shame or guilt. And, you know, I felt very ashamed that my house was a mess. I just couldn't have people over. I couldn't handle all the things in my life. I was dropping balls. I was scattered. I was nervous. I lost my confidence, my whole self-esteem. I just, I couldn't cope. And I, you know, I didn't reach out to other people as soon as I should. And then when I did, a lot of people, uh, it became to, uh, to a point where, um, you know, it was just so negative, so overwhelming. It seemed so big. What I learned to do went through my own training was break things down into to micro steps, little tiny habits, little tiny improvements, uh, little tiny wins that I could conquer to rebuild, to, to get back to where I wanted to be. I used to visualize every day. I'd take 20 minutes to visualize how I wanted things to be in the future. And I'm a really big believer in visualization. So you get, you tap into all the emotions when you visualize how it's going to be and how it's going to feel, even if you don't believe it right now, because you need to suspend belief. Things might not be good now, but if you keep going over time, they will improve. You know, these are the lessons I learned as a martial artist. Number one, repeat, you know, repetition. You got to keep, keep it up, the discipline and the repetition. So keep going, keep the momentum going to get through it. And then you need to focus. If you get too scattered, you're too uh, overwhelmed or anxious, you can't 
go in the right direction. So um, there are ways to increase your focus, even when you're overwhelmed. So you got to reduce your stress levels to get focused. And I, you know, the importance of maintaining your energy. I mean, you know, I am, I'd be happy to give away some of my books on this podcast because your physical energy is so important, but your mental energy and your emotional energy. When it comes to emotions, here's three things. So number one, don't get caught up in positive or negative. We all have a range of emotions. I mean, just think if life was always positive, it would be boring. All the great movies, there's the there's the horrible thing that happens. There's the crisis. There's the trauma. You know, you've got to work through the positive and negative. Of course, we want to experience positive emotions as much as possible. So you can transition out of a negative emotion by just accepting it. You become First of all, you have to label it, become aware of it. Not get too caught up in it. Like, I am feeling depressed right now. Just say it. Just in your mind, like, I, I'm experiencing depression. I'm experiencing anxiety. So then you just want to feel it and accept it. You go, I accept that I'm feeling anxious right now. And then you can just say to yourself, doesn't mean I'm always going to be anxious. It's just like the waves in an ocean. The emotions roll in. And if you can ride those waves... Pretty soon a new emotion will roll in. And I think learning to ride those emotional waves is so important and believe that it's only a limited time. You don't have to be stuck in depression or anxiety forever. So physically you can get, um, you can get control of emotions. You can just tap into just accepting them. Emotions are really like messengers. Like they're, you know, I've read a couple of books by, um, you know, some great authors and they're really just trying to tell you something. So try to figure out what's underneath that. What's the fear underneath your emotion? And so this is a good time during COVID to kind of get deeper into yourself. What's going on? Why am I feeling this? Why am I anxious? You know, because when we're living in, you know, depression, they say is living in the past and anxiety is just living in the future. So to get out of these, these negative, these two sides, just tap into your senses in the present. So really trying to get into the present. Like one person had, um, I'd read said, you know, the three, 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 think of three things you can see. You know, three things you can touch, you know, three things you can uh, sm smell and taste. So tapping into your senses will help you get back into the current moment and help to reduce some of that anxiety and overwhelm. And I did all of these things when I was going through that and, and on many other techniques as well. Fantastic. I, I think that's super helpful. And um, I unknowingly have been following your advice um, through this process myself. I think that's why this uh, crisis hasn't hit me as hard as, as previous ones. Uh, I was already in a, you know, um, mentally, emotionally in a good place and had set up habits like the ones you said. So one of the things I'm doing is mindfulness. So I'm doing uh, meditation every morning when I wake up Perfect. and even if it's just for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however many, you know, however much time I can, I can, uh, afford that morning. But, uh, and I'm, I'm terrible at it. I find it difficult, but it's just the discipline of practicing. And it don't, it doesn't really matter if you're like doing it properly or if you're no. like experiencing, you know, the, the kind of state you're trying to achieve. It's just, being still and taking that moment and trying to be present and, and mindful of the present. Right. And uh, exactly. that exactly. by itself has been really helpful. And I'm finding that it's almost like 
once you have one little win like that, then you can stack more on top. So then, you know, you can do the visualization. And then once you've got that habit, then you can you know, pay attention to what you're eating. And then once you've got that habit, then you can, you have more energy and then you can do more exercise and it becomes like a positive, a virtuous cycle, if you like. Yes. I know one of the books that you, um, I was listening to a couple of your podcasts and Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear, I think. And one of the things I liked, um, I guess, distilling it down to the essence was, you know, when you want a new habit, a lot of times when you're in these really negative emotional states, you just can't do it. You just don't feel like you can. You're consumed with that negativity and you just don't feel like you could ever do it. You just don't believe in yourself. And so when you when you shift to saying, I am, make it part of who you are. I am a person who meditates. I am a person who can relax, you know, make it part of your core being, not like I need to meditate every day. When you make it part of who you are, I think that's that's helpful in getting started, getting out of those ruts, you know, getting going again. Um, because if you can make that little tiny baby step in one area, you can just you can just keep going and then it's endless. The For endless, sure. you know. Yeah. And the exciting thing, one thing I've learned is that if you initially, if it feels overwhelming, if you just make the goal really small to begin with, like, I'm just going to meditate for five minutes. I'm going to find an app on my phone. Uh, There's lots of them out there and I'm going to do it for five minutes. It doesn't seem like such a big deal. And then once you do that, you can build on it. And it was the same with running. I never used to run. Um, And I could like, I said, I started going like, okay, I'm just going to go for a kilometer, right? And then I'd be tired, but then I built it up over and now I can do 10K, no problem. Wow, that's fantastic. uh, Yeah, but it, and that's over a period of months and it didn't seem too hard if I just broke it down into baby steps. You know what? And there's a great pod, a great uh, TED talk, rather, Stephen Dunier, who talks about this incredible ability to achieve things with micro goal setting. If anyone wants to check it out, it's a good one. So, uh, you know, definitely. I mean, I think when it comes to getting out of and overcoming uh, huge challenges like we're having in COVID. And uh, recruitment is down. My business is down too. Everyone's down recruitment. I, I just feel so fortunate that I built up these other divisions. And, you know, I started um, pursuing my personal passion, you know, as a hobby, this whole nutrition and then health. And then I realized it wasn't just physical, it was mental and emotional. And I incorporated the, I became an emotional trainer and my black belt, all the mental. And I pursued it as a hobby. And then I kind of decided to put it in as a side gig, you know, into my business. And now I can say that it's my primary revenue stream. And I mean, I had a seven-figure business in recruitment. My training is worldwide now. I have been booked by companies for my soft skills training. All these skills are urgently needed in the workplace. They're buying my courses, which I've converted to online. And I have live training with over 1,500 people monthly in a couple of different technology clients. And I do monthly webinars with them. So it's just, it's amazing. So if you believe in yourself and you pursue pursue your hobbies, and then you kind of incorporate them into your business in any way, you never know what you can create from that. It's, 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 uh, Tish, that's amazing. So wait a second. Um, break that down for me a little bit, because I, it's not an obvious. So you've got, let's say technology clients, maybe an ERP, you know, the, uh, a company implementing ERP or something, right. Um, and then you're over here and you've also got sort of your soft skills training on, you know, uh, emotional resilience, 
or on energy and that sort of stuff. How do you marry those two up? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. So I, I, I'll try to answer it. Uh, you know, it's uh, so I just I want I saw the burnout in the workplace. Right. We all see that as recruiters. There's, you know, disengagement. What is it? The percentage of people who are engaged in the workplace is under 20 percent globally. All the latest stats. So so many people are burnt out and disengaged even before we went into COVID. It'll be interesting to see how engagement numbers change with people being working from home or maybe it will go up. But at the you know, before it was quite low and when you're recruiting it was easier to to cold call and people you know so many people weren't happy and moved them around but I didn't feel good about that the basic problem the root problem wasn't being solved so that's when I started and this passion for health started speaking on that but it shifted into performance and now like things I train might be moving from boss to mentor coach all of these soft skills, um, you know, um, building effective teams, you know, creative thinking, um, critical thinking, all of these skills that people need to succeed uh, that they can put in their bucket. So I have like 12 different soft skills in my soft skills mastery series that are all like business skills, um, resolving conflict, using emotional intelligence, build better relationships, things like that. All the things I noticed when I was recruiting and then that same client was saying, oh, we're having all these problems. And I said, well, I can solve that problem. We have this product. We have this service. And so people started uh, liking it and signing up a little bits. And what happened with everyone being remote, there is that feeling that they're missing community. So what my live talks do is they bring back a sense of community and then we break it down with handouts and training. So we have live group training um, around the globe. Like one of my clients, there's people logging in from India, China, um, Mexico, US, Canada, Germany, Czechoslovakia, you know, and it's very exciting. And I try to use my languages there. So I learned all the languages and I speak a little bit in each language. And I love it. Like, I, I, I'm absolutely on fire when I'm training. So it's fun for me. That's so cool. Yeah. Amazing. Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading, and listening to business books, watching TED Talks. But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and he helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I love recruitment, my true purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. So you've got, of course, your recruiting, but you're focused more on retained search now. And well, one of the things uh, we shifted from 
it, which has been really helpful is uh, as a recruiter, you're, you're, you're always looking for the next project and it's like, it gets tiring. And then if that client, if you're, if your contact leaves, you're kind of having to start over or maybe they bring in their agency. So it got tiring. So first I shifted from um, contingency to retain because I didn't have to work as hard. And I did this as part of that process when I was exhausted and overwhelmed and had so much on my plate because I couldn't afford not to get to the finish line. So I became very good at at getting a retainer. I even called it an initial fee. Some companies are really nervous about giving a retainer. I'd even lower the fee if they would give us an initial fee. Um, I tightened up our terms, which um, I've trained recruiters. And one of the tips for recruiters is try to get an agreement that once they've retained you, any leads come to you. So that yes. you have a better chance of getting a placement. I have that in all my agreements now. Once engaged, any external leads will be funneled through us. Because then you're a project manager. Let's treat, let's respect ourselves and, and so people can respect us as well. And so I got more placements that way. It, it, it's so funny. I learned this one the hard way. I had a retained project with a company Um and they were looking for a sales and marketing manager and they'd already paid me two thirds of the fee. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they're part of a huge global, like multi-billion dollar company. Um, they were called, oh, I'm, t- I'm trying to think of the name. It was a while ago. In any case, um, they'd already paid me two thirds of the fee. I delivered a short list. And then another recruiter got wind of the you know, of the vacancy and just sent in an MPC on spec and they really liked the look of this candidate and they decided to hire this person, not through me. Now, and then they paid this other recruiter a full fee. Yes. And I said to them, why did you do that? Like why you were, you know, you could have, I would have been happy to negotiate with this other firm if that was the candidate you wanted you know, I would have shared part of my fee with them, but you would have still only had to pay one fee and you would have still only had one point of contact. So it would have just kept this the process much more streamlined. And they were like, oh, I, we didn't think of that. Yes. And oh, from- yes. Well, lucky you, you did get two thirds. And I know yeah. some people say that model of the bigger companies where they get two thirds and they haven't, you know, they haven't even got a placement that that's a little too much on one side. I just have one initial fee. It doesn't even have to be that much. And if people are nervous, I say lower the initial fee, make it a thousand pounds or whatever, a thousand dollars or whatever, you know, 2000 and move it up as you build your confidence and do work exclusively. I I mean, working with internal recruiters is another area where I really streamline um, to become more successful because I'd had some hit and miss with internal recruiters and you need to align them to be a partner. So they're not working against you, working with you. Um, And, you know, we, we had to really work on building strong relationships, asking for exclusivity with internal recruiters and making sure there was a hiring manager involved in the process at all times, because otherwise the result we tracked it was not as high. 
So, you know, but after, you know, after doing even retain work, I wanted to move to programs. So, you know, that was still going after project projects. So I moved to an RPO model um, as well. And that's been very successful. We've had a couple of technology clients. They outsource all their recruitment to us. It's a much lower, it's a totally different model hourly, monthly. It's, it's flexible, but then they sign up annually. So they're signing up for the program. And what I like about that model, and I think it could be useful for recruiters, just it doesn't have to be your only model, but try it out during COVID. Then you get their email address, you get their database, you um, you have the flexibility working remotely to be them or yourself. Uh, you can you can work put on your head under cap and work that way, or you can be part of their internal team and you can build really good relationships with the manager. So we've had a couple RPOs that have been very, um, you know, very good partners for many years, eight, eight years, one of them, nine. So that that's that was really helpful for stabilizing my, our revenues and keeping them high. Tish, uh, this is a really interesting one. How did you, st- because if you choose the wrong partner though, it's, it, it can be not like if it's not a good fit or yeah. um, like I've seen cases where what the company, um, the RPO, uh, the client yes. was expecting compared to what they were paying were out of, Yes. Sync, yes. right? So they agreed to pay X per month, but then the recruiter felt obligated to do all this stuff over and above what they were actually being paid for. Do you have any thoughts on how to structure it so it's fair to both parties? Yeah, uh, uh, it's a good question. Dep- I think it depends on the volume. So number one, I mean, in sales and I, you know, this whole attraction marketing model is that, you know, it's so important um, to, to be honest and transparent. So I think it's important to be confident enough to set expectations. Here's what we need from you, not just what you need from us, both sides. So it's, you know, you can refer back to it, always put it in writing. You know, even when we do a project kickoff call, we, we send back the notes. Here's what you expect. I just want to be clear so that if there is a conflict and they occur, then you can resolve them. And I, you can never, you know, push conflicts away. I think then they just build and build and build and they build resentment. So setting expectations, if the volume is low, um, like if it's under 10, you could structure a flat fee, like 10 a month, depending on the size. If it's going to be like 10 to 20, you could even have a, a tiered rate, like monthly, if there's more than 10 projects less than here's the rate here's the rate for five here's the rate for 10 here's you know 10 to 15 you could you, there's a lot of creativity involved like depends on the client's revenues and what they'll take but um, you can also have a an hourly rate model which up to a certain point as long as there's x we had an hourly rate model per annum with a minimum number of hours to make sure we would cover it so it'd be like minimum two thousand hours a year, something like that. So that's another option. You could do a flat fee monthly. You can tier it based on monthly volume. So then you're not getting, you know, you always want to give value or you could do a straight hourly rate, which I think during this time when companies or budgets are stressed, um, you know, you could do an hourly rate plus a flat fee. Um, You know, you can do, um, you can go for an initial uh, fee as well. 
and a lower total fee. So then at least you're getting a retainer if you don't want to do RPO. So those are ways to get income in upfront, which I think we should all try to get. Because look, at we have costs. We're all subscribing LinkedIn Recruiter and all of our other tools and ATSs. Try to get some revenue in monthly and reduce your costs wherever you can. I think I've gone through a number of tougher times. Um, I had a big, as I said, a team up to 20. And then I reduced it down just to myself when I just couldn't handle when everything was out of control, I just knew I couldn't be the manager boss I wanted, I could, I, people needed. And so I reduced down to a solo recruiter and I built up again. So now we're, you know, almost 10 again, um, you know, eight or nine, eight and a half, depending on some part timers. So I think you have to be prepared to be tough with uh, expenses as well. Uh, but if you're, if the main thing for us to focus on now when it comes to revenue is whether it's an RPO or whatever it is, a project, get some money up front. I think that's going to help us all get through it, you know. Yeah. Here, here. I'm, a, I'm an evang- evangelist about that. And I just think um, it's 80% confidence. Yes. Uh, and believing in the value that you're delivering. And then 20% is sales skills to be able to um, position that solution and and have it being appropriate to to solve the client's problem but um, you know the average I don't know if you you are aware of this the average fill rate around the world it for contingency recruitment is 20 percent 19 20 percent yes that means that most recruiters are working for free 80 percent of the time yes that's just crazy like crazy you know that means every day every week you're working you're for those you're you're working for free and only one of those days are you actually getting paid well the other thing that impacts people is that when you're working for free people don't treat you with respect because you haven't you know even real estate agents i don't know about your country but here when you when you sign an agreement with them you have to work exclusively and no matter how what happens how the how this house gets sold they get paid so i think we need to start as a minimum working exclusively and then making sure that any leads come through us so even if you're nervous about retainer you can't get one you get a better exclusive agreement and work your way up to that absolutely and it's really helped me and i mean i couldn't believe that my um dream of helping people with their health and performance would now during covid be the division that's just taking off like crazy so i think when you start something yeah you start something that you love and you never know even skill stacking i don't know if you listen to a scott adams podcast in the u.s but he's a great there's so many like i love your podcast as a recruiter and you know and he's um an american but he talks about skill stacking and this is another thing i really think for recruiters you can get so stressed out and overwhelmed and just imagine if you're working in one direction and it might not be the right one. You're, you're wasting all that time. So I think this whole continually learning new things is important. You know, during this time, I've been learning canning and pickling with our garden, you know, learning new skills all the time, keeps you energized, keeps you happy. Like we are living beings are, we need to grow just like plants. And so constantly learning and reading and nourishing our minds and our is so important. So I think all recruiters, this is a great time for us to retool and learn stuff. It doesn't even have to be directly related related to our business. I mean, I did get a new ATS during this time and we cleaned up our database. I do recommend decluttering your life. 
during COVID. Decluttering your business and your life because that that takes the, the, the weight off you for the next time. And so we cut our database from like 75,000 to just over 25 because a lot of them were dead records. Now we have a really functioning database and we can send out our newsletters and we spend some time reconnecting with the candidates in the database, trying to find them. So doing things like that, cleaning up your work and cleaning up your like your workspace, you're right, getting rid of all the clutter and your closets. That's a good thing to do now. It lifts you emotionally because, you know, if you have an outfit, for example, I don't know if you know the Marie Kondo book, The Life Changing Magic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I took that to heart, like the main message there if something gives you joy keep it but if you have an outfit in your closet that you hate that you haven't worn for 10 years give it to salvation army or give it away you know marie kondo would freak out if she saw our house <laughs> i know i've got three kids and we're we're quite chaotic here yeah so. well i have two boys myself and i'm definitely not a neat freak but some of that decluttering i've taken to heart i mean in the last few years and even when i sold my building i had 25 years of clutter and files and I didn't need all that. So I got rid of all that stuff. And it really does feel good because you can then focus, right? We talked about the importance of focusing. When there's too much stuff everywhere, it's hard to focus. So getting rid of all the crap is uh, very useful for getting your focus back. Something I uh, wanted to ask you is your black belt in martial arts. Like, first of all, why were you motivated to do that? And secondly, what, if any, relationship does it have to being successful in business? Oh, wow. You, you know, um, as a child, I was a competitive gymnast, so I trained with the national team. And when you get to a certain age, at least back then, it was like, you're done, right? So years and years of dedication and all that self-discipline just kind of not that he's gone. And after university, I wanted to get back into something competitive. And I was always acrobatic. And I always was kind of that tough, tough, feisty person, you know, five foot one and a half, five foot two, I say eyes of blue, but not quite, but always wanted to do something high energy. And so I found a club and it was actually the first club in Canada for shoot wrestling. So okay. they uh, trained the full system. I don't know if you know. So you learn boxing, kickboxing, and then all the judo throws, and then the grappling techniques. Um, and, you know, I watched the ultimate fight, and it was always the shoot wrestlers who won. And yeah. so I started training, and I just took to it. I loved it. I'm a natural grappler. I just, I'm a strong, I'm physically strong, and I'm a really smart wrestler. And so I just... Just loved, it. and you know the people in the club are basically the nicest people in the world. We all get out all our, you know, angst and yeah, the energy. So everyone was just so nice. And in fact, I landed one of my biggest deals in the '90s from um, just talking to someone as we were sparring. Hey, what do you do? And oh yeah, I work for this technology club. Oh yeah, you know, oh that's great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he said, "Geez, we're looking for people." Because I said I'm a recruiter. Next thing I know, met the president. We got 68 placements at that company that year. Wow! So, that's but recruitment. I mean, uh, martial arts for me uh, is all about that self discipline. It's so important and that mental mindset. So you're overcoming your own neg negative feelings, learning to um, 
you know, to keep going, to be persistent. And in the training, I'd find, you know, you're, you're sparring with someone and you're trying to force, you know, you're pushing, pushing, pushing. And me being small, so you could just never win by pushing, using all your, all your energy. So I learned to work with their energy, right? That classic martial arts style to pull them in, to throw them. And I realized you could apply that to life too. You can waste a lot of your energy going in the wrong direction always trying to write the same thing over and over if it doesn't work. And so that was a big lesson to me, conserving your energy and using it properly and focusing. And I adopted them in my business. I have a very strong focus. I can get a lot done quickly, you know, and I'm not a believer in the, you know, multitasking anymore. It's one thing at a time, schedule your day. And those I got from martial arts. And I think what happens with a lot of recruiters, they get in these ruts and then they're, they're trying to get out, but they're doing the same thing over and over. And this is where creativity comes, trying something new. It's just like Einstein said, the definition of insanity. I love this quote, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So that's what martial arts taught me is if, when you're trying to get a throw, you, you're trying the same thing over. You're not going to get there. You got to try new things, mix it up. And that's what we need as recruiters. Change our whole system, change our model, try new business lines. Those things I got from my training in martial arts. Absolutely. I love it. That is uh, really, really well said. Thanks, Tish. Um, if people want to follow up with you, which I'm, th I'm sure they will want to, which is the best website for them to visit and or how do you how can people get in touch with you? So um, for training, um, you know, even if anyone wanted um, to work with me for their clients, you know, they thought something they the service they could offer could be a revenue stream for them. They can visit uh, com to check out my two series, one's Transformational Leadership and Soft Skills Training, or if they're interested. Um, and then for uh, business uh, recruitment and some of our talent services, our website's www.globalconsultinggroup.ca. Um, I also have a uh, group that I just started on LinkedIn called the Thrive Hub, all one word. And um, so I'm happy to give away some of my stress management uh, courses to people if uh, if you'd like, uh, Mark. Happy to yeah, do that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I just before you share that, I love the name of your group, um, the Thrive Hub, did you say? Yes. Yes. So that's on LinkedIn? Yes, it's a LinkedIn group. Yeah, I'm a... Okay. I'm, I'm big, you know, obviously recruiter LinkedIn. I'm not big in social media. Otherwise, Facebook, I've kind of shied away. I like to have the privacy. But yeah, I've got a, a nice group and there's a whole group of... Um, business professionals at all levels, uh, CIOs, CEOs. So anyone who wants to join, just shoot me, just go on to that and request to join. And I could even, the first 10 people that request to join, I'll give away my, just to make it easy, I can give away my stress management guru course with my book. Happy to help out the tips during COVID. Get calm and grounded for that next, you know, big push and next positive thing that's going to happen because it will just around the corner. That's very generous, and uh, I, I, I'm sure people will take you up on that. That sounds brilliant, Tish. Well, I've really enjoyed catching up. Let's do it again, you know, soon, not wait another five years <laughs> yes. because, you know, uh, it's been really fun. That's great, Mark. Well, thank you very much for having me. I love your podcast. It's, uh, it's an excellent. All the best. Yeah, and definitely let's keep in touch. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Okay, bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview. Recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things. Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell, someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals, and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence. They could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you. Or maybe it's someone you know. Send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com, or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.